Hey, good afternoon, my brothers and sisters in Messiah. This is Brother Frederick coming to you from Broken Air, Oklahoma, for another Manna for Today podcast. I'm continuing number two on our teaching on Genesis chapter one. And what does it really say in the Hebrew language instead of the English? Because we see in the English, it's just in the beginning. But here's what I love about Hebrew language and, and the and the letters, the pictographic of the letters and the numeric value of the letters is that sometimes each letter can have a different meaning depending on the contents of what's being said in the scriptures. So like the word uh, bet we, we studied yesterday shows that basically a floor, it looks like a floor plan of a drawing of some like a tent or a house. And this is why I'm telling you again to go on Google and download or get a copy of the Hebrew letters. And it, there's, I can't remember which one it is, but it shows today's Hebrew, in which I have said before, Hebrew back in the days of Moses to Jesus was not the same as Hebrew today because it was a lost language after they were captive in Babylonian Empire for, for many years and even uh, when they were in Egypt for all those years. And so you can see the, the, the drawings and the numbers. And like I said, each word has a different meaning depending on what's being said in the scriptures. So yesterday we left off. And if you didn't hear my podcast yesterday, I, t- I, I, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. They're only 15 minutes long. I know our society, we're such a fast paced society. And it seems like we don't have time to do anything. And sometimes that's the problem with our society is that we get so busy that we forget what we need to do on this earth is to have a relationship with our Father God in heaven, Jesus, and with the Holy Spirit and commune with Him and talk to Him and pray and fellowship with Him besides our busy schedule. And I understand it here in America, but you got to understand something, folks. Back in the G- Jesus' days in the Old Testament, they didn't have all this technology. They didn't have the fast face fast-paced society and world okay and this is why i love this language and i try to get people to understand the hebrew understanding of the scriptures because it's going to open your eyes to the scriptures what they actually mean instead of the good old king james version and some of these modern transliterations i can't call them translations because they're not and as i've said before in previous podcasts Excuse my throat for some reason it's a little horsey. For some reason, oh, uh, the reason is because they didn't have the original documents. King James didn't have the original documents. They had the Septuagint. But that was uh, years and years and years and years after the Old Testament. And so you have to have the original document to become what they call a translation. Today's Bibles and stuff are called transliteration. And I want you to get, understand that and get that clear in your mind. Now, I know I've had some people say, well, Brother Frederick, I really don't care what the Hebrew says. I'm just going to buy what the King James, what my Bible says. Well, you know, that's fine and dandy. But, you know, <sighs> the Bibles, you know, the scriptures are not Western. They're not English. We serve a Messiah that was Middle Eastern. Okay? He wasn't white. I know there are some groups out there saying that he was African-American. 
uh, you know, that's a big debate, and, and I don't believe in it. But the point is, it's a M- Middle Eastern theology of 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 of. I'm trying to find the word. Sometimes my brain misses fires, you know. Anyway, so yesterday I left off with the word resh, and that is spelled R E Y S H, and it's a symbol of a of a head, a king's head. Okay, like if I took a picture of King David, you know, with his crown and stuff. That's the word resh. And this is what this word is used in this very first verse in the scriptures, in the beginning. But really, it doesn't say in the beginning, the original. It says in the beginning. So this goes next to the word, it's the word Bershit. Okay, we're in the second part of this word of Bershit. And, and the next one is is, is uh, Resh. It's a 200, 200, uh, 200, <laughs> Uh, numerical value to it and so so now we wonder well now who's in the tent well according to this the Hebrew he is someone's son or as the word is the head person or prince but whose son is he the third letter in the word Prashet gives us the very answer that we're looking for and the third letter in this word is the word Aleph and in the back in the days of, of, of Paleo Hebrew, as I have said before, is that they didn't have alphabets. It was a picture graph. It was a picture painting like you see in the Egyptians' tombs and stuff. You don't see letters. You see pictures of, of stories being told through that process. And this is the way the Hebrew was back in the days of Moses. And that word Aleph is the very first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And it always it always pictures an ox head. Well, you say, well, why an ox head? Well, there's a reason why it says this because an ox head, as we know, an ox they're big, they're strong, and and so you know it means a strong leader. Okay, so the alpha, olive, I mean alpha, <laughs> olive is the number one. Now, it's not surprising that the Aleph is the first letter in Elohim's name. The name of God first revealed in the Bible. I'm just turning my notes here. Aleph is a picture that is ideally meant to convey the idea of Elohim, the father, the strong leader that guides and directs his family. But wait, there is more to this now. When we add the word Aleph to the first two letters in the word Prashit, we discover another word. The first three letters in Prashit will spell the Hebrew word creative, Bar. Okay? It's pronounced Bar, B-A-R-A, which means created. So Bet, Resh, Aleph, the first three Hebrew letters in the Prashit is also the Hebrew word for created or, get this, Creator. So who is the bet? Who is in the bet or the tent? The bet resh is the son who is in the tent. Now whose son is he? He is the bet rosh aleph, the son of God. Who also is the bet rosh aleph, the creator? You see where I'm going with this? Now the fourth letter is the word 
is the word sheen, S-H-E-E-N. Okay, it has a 300 numeric value to it, but it's always pictured back in those days, and, and it looks like a W, okay? And, but what it is, it's a representative, get this, of teeth. That's right, as teeth. So what does, it, what does your teeth do? Well, Frederick, that's kind of a stupid question to ask. Well, this is why this language is so beautiful to make you understand. The word teeth means to press down, to crush, and destroy. Now, this word sheen is also is in the word in the word Hasatan, Satan. So it's the 300 number numerical value to it. And 300 is an amplification of the sacred number three. Three means divine protection. The word, the number three means divine protection. So 300 signifies a divinely appointed blood sacrifice that results in victory over death. Now, another thing we will find amazingly is that we will find another word, Hebrew word nested is in perceit. Sheen, the fourth letter is perceit. But it's also the last letter in the word resh. So, to put it this way, the second, the third, and the fourth letter in the word prashit spells the Hebrew word for head or first. Okay? Now, did you hear what I said? The second, the third, and the fourth letter, because we've seen the word bet, resh, aleph, sheen, Yod Tav. Now Resh is the head person, the prince, and the first. Now notice that the single Hebrew letter, letter Rosh is the second letter in the Rashid is also the three-letter Hebrew word Resh spelled Resh Aleph Shin. Now I know this can get confusing and, and, and I'm trying to say this as good as I can because I don't speak Hebrew fluently. I know a lot of Hebrew but I know the alphabets to teach from and how they're used in the scriptures. Okay, so let's be clear. Resh is not the only name of a letter, but it's also the word that means prince or head, person or first in Hebrew. And it all comes back again to what you're talking about and the contents of what's being said. See, we're like, like in America, we have certain words that just has one meaning to it. Okay, but in other countries, in other languages, their one word can mean a lot of things, just depending on what contents of your talk, what you're talking about. And this is how the Hebrew is. Now, remember, the Hebrew word bar, translated as son, the word that we found nested in the first two letters in the word proceed. I'm just trying to look at my notes here. So notice that the word bar, the rash, or prince, is inside the bed. That's the, the tent, the home. With that in mind, we must ask why God puts both single letter rash and then nested the three letter word rash in the word brashit. Let me share you this obvious reason. The reason is that the Lord wants us to know that the rash Aleph Shin, the prince, has come out of his tent, out of the tent. And the prince has gone out of his home. The picture is worth a thousand words. The prince who was inside the house is now coming out of his house. And see, this all goes back to 
of what Isaiah said yesterday about that he reveals the the end from the very beginning. That was in Isaiah 46, if I remember right. And this picture is going to show us the gospel, how Jesus came out of heaven, his kingdom, his home, to come to live and abode with us, humanity, so that he can live the perfect sinless life for us to be an example when we live on this earth as born again Christians. Now I'm almost my time's almost up because I only want to take about 15 minutes, and, and this is why it's going to take me probably a few sessions to do this. But I just want you to understand something, guys. You need to have a deeper understanding of of the scriptures. And to me, this is what the Hebrew language and the alphabet has done for me. There's so many things I can share. You know, just like in English, we have we have what we call idioms. Like here in Oklahoma, when it rains like cats and dogs, we know what that means in Oklahoma. But if I go to Israel and tell them, hey guys, or like I just came from Pakistan, I say, hey, it's raining like cats and dogs. And they're going to think I'm crazy. But that's the idiom that we use in our language. Well, Hebrew and other countries are the same way. For example, and I'll close with this. You remember the story of Noah? Remember the story he says he got drunk and then his son saw his father's nakedness. Well, we think, in English, that means what? Well, they lived in the same tent. All of them did at that time. You know, they hadn't separated to go into different country in different parts of the world yet to establish the world as we know it. And so we think automatically, well, that means he saw his father's nakedness, and that's why Noah cursed him, his his son, and his family. But if you look in Leviticus, I think it's chapter twenty, it tells you. This is a Hebrew idiom. He saw his father's nakedness. So what was it, Brother Frederick? He was talking about that Noah's son, listen to this, Noah's son had sex with Noah's wife. Yeah, they they probably did. They grew some grapes and wine and got drunk. This is why drunkenness is, is, is forbidden in the scriptures from the days of Noah's to the New Testament. Yep, I know these, these, these charismatics and faith word people, they like to say, oh, we, got like, we like to get drunk in the spirit, you know. And it's not even biblical. Okay? And the disciples weren't drunk on the day of Pentecost because it was forbidden to drink in the, in the temple did you hear what I said even on the temple grounds wine was not allowed until they were done with their services so this idiom basically tells us that Noah's son has sex with Noah's wife and this is the very reason why Noah cursed him and his generations down through the history idioms Hebrew has it, English has it all these countries in this world so I trust that you enjoy this today. I, I, you know, I try to make this very simple. I don't want to go over people's heads. And I think this is why I, the Lord has gifted me and, and, and anointed me to tell it like it is, but to tell it in terms and in, in, in terminology 
that the simple-minded people like us can understand because I don't have my PhDs. I mean, I probably could have three of them by now. But, you know, I'm not spending $30,000 just to get a piece of paper saying that I took a test and I, I have knowledge of the scriptures. Well, let me just put it this way to you, and I'll close with this. I'd rather be anointed than to have my doctorate degree and have all these things. But this is the way our society is going. This is the way the American churches are going. You've got to be educated. Well, the disciples weren't educated. Now, Paul was, but the disciples weren't. And look what they did in Asia Minor. In the book of Acts, it says that they changed the whole Asia Minor in two years. And I can't remember where that scripture's at. But anyway, I trust you've enjoyed this today. Bershit, in the beginning, God built a tent for, for the Son of God to come out into this world, to present the gospel to this world, and to die on a tree to be resurrected. This is what it's all about, folks. May God's richest and best be yours today. And we'll see you next time for Manage for Today. <laughs>